Davos 2019. This coverage of the Global Conversation on Change is brought to you by BrightRock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. I'm with Stephen Kossoff. Stephen, uh, we chat every year in Davos. The mood two years ago was uh, fraught. Last year, excessively optimistic perhaps. This year, a bit more realistic? Yeah, I'd say neutral to slightly negative. I just listened to the Chinese vice president. He was exceptionally positive. I listened to the Japanese president. He was exceptionally positive. I listened to uh, Angela Merkel. She was moderate, but, uh, you know, I would say more, a little bit more positive. Um, but uh, obviously, you know, the IMF is forecasting a slowdown. The Chinese growth was a bit slower than people expected, but they still expect China to be the biggest economy in the world in the not-too-distant future. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't think you have to be too negative. I think there are big issues in the world. But um, from an economic point of view, um, the economies are still growing. And even if at 3.5% is well above the 3 which is, you know, what people consider to be uh, underlying global growth before you go into some kind of global recession. And what about your two major markets, South Africa and the UK? Yeah, well, the UK, we're watching uh, this whole story on Brexit or no Brexit or hard Brexit or soft Brexit or, you know, it's just very, very confusing. And uh, obviously, you know, we... The pound is saying something to us. The pound has been appreciating, which says there's probably not going to be a hard Brexit, but uh, we're either going to get uh, a revised version of Theresa May's Brexit, or we're going to, uh, you know, you don't know, they could go back for an election. Or, uh, they're sort of ruling out a referendum at the moment, but uh, I hear also stories that they may end up having another election, which surprises me. I went to the PwC um chief executives feedback and the one thing that was interesting was British CEOs are very excited they're amongst the most optimistic in the world because they think that Brexit is going to deliver uh, significant opportunities which was a surprise to pretty much everybody who saw it how are you seeing it from that side of the water look I I think if you get a hard Brexit it's going to be a big headache in the short term Uh, I think a soft Brexit will probably be a little bit more of the same Um, you know, when before uh, the UK went into Europe, they were the sick man of Europe, and uh, they came out the strong man of Europe from a growth point of view. So, you know, I, I would not have been in favour of Brexit, um, and I, I, I think that you know, I was listening to uh, the Europeans say today that they've got a trade deal with Canada. They're, they've just signed a trade deal with Japan. They're about to sign a trade deal with the USA. These trade deals take decades to conclude. And now the UK would renegotiate all these trade deals. So as much as they think it gives them opportunity and they're not bound by European legislation, um, they have to go through this whole process. And how long will that take? So I think they might be a bit delusional. Those trade deals, clearly we don't know the detail of them yet, but if they are significantly advantageous, the British people are clever enough to say, hang on a minute, we're losing out perhaps on a big opportunity here. Could that be something that would sway opinion? And I don't know. I think you know. I think the mistake with the referendum is you're leaving a technocratic decision to the general population, and they make emotional decisions on stuff that you need the technocrats to take. 
and uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I, I believe in, well, I'm an internationalist. I believe in uh, global trade. Uh, I, I worry about populism. And I think that uh, the world is a much better place when you share ideas. And uh, I know that you get a bit of lopsidedness every now and again, like the Americans versus the Chinese. But, you know, at the end of the day, sharing ideas some people are more innovative they come up with good ideas and if the world can use those ideas then the world is better off as opposed to going isolation listen to the chinese guy and he says why china fell backwards was because the emperors did not anticipate closed the borders to the seafaring nations they didn't adopt uh you know seafaring trade and that's why they went backwards and that's because they close themselves up. So I think you close yourself up when you don't open, you know, you, you, you don't trade with the world and expose yourself to the world. That's why we come to Davos, is because we learn about what is going on in the world. We learn about what other people are doing. You know, you learn about best practice. You talk to other people about best practice. That's what creates growth. That's what creates innovation, not sitting and talking to yourself. I was uh, at a press conference with uh, the South African delegation a little bit earlier. Uh, Sir Ramaphosa, the president, seems very upbeat. He's, uh, he's talking like a fisherman. He says he's going to bring back a bag full of fish uh, from investors over here. It's a nice, uh, it's a nice uh, bite, or sound bite, but is it realistic? Look, I, I, I think that if you look at the world, I think South Africa... If he carries on the path that he's going and he delivers on the promise, um, has a lot of opportunity. And when you look at the emerging world or the developing world, whatever you want to call it, uh, you can see South Africa, even I got the sense at the IMF that when you look at South Africa, we have a lot of opportunity as a country and as a society. And uh, I think we're in a much better space that we, that we certainly, last year we had Ramaphoria, but if you went a year back, we were in a terrible space. And particularly if you went, you know, to 31 March or 30th March when the then president removed you know uh, the minister and did all sorts of things to adjust his cabinet so we've been through a very bumpy ride and I think now we're getting onto a path of renewal or what they call a new dawn there's a lot to fix we've got SAEs that need to be fixed but at least you can tackle them um, you know there's there, we have to get growing we have to fix education um, we, we have to we know recreate the entrepreneurial spirit and the can-do attitude uh, we have to still the visa mechanism we have to give out skilled visas we can't be protectionist on that stuff because we need we short 800,000 odd skilled people in the country if you talk to these economists that are advising the minister of finance they'll tell you that we lack now that means we lack skills and we need to bring those in because we can't create them in the time frame internally than we need to we've lost a lot of skills so you know I, I, I'm, I'm you know I'm reasonably positive I'm an optimist but you know I know we need to get our growth rate up to you know four to five percent in fact I've go live and say this again if we had grown from 2010 which was a year post the financial crisis, at the rate we were growing for the few years prior to the financial crisis, which is over four on average, four and a half, we would have had an extra trillion rand of GDP. Our tax take is 28 to 29 percent of GDP. That would have given the Minister of Finance an extra 280 to 290 billion rand of revenue against a deficit of 202. 
and it would have been the deficit would have been lower because we would have had less borrowings because we would have had higher growth and higher tax collection so you know i think we have to we have to drive growth that is the key not and, and investment drives growth huh? investment drives growth yeah if, uh, well you know uh, opportunity drives investment which drives growth so it's not only about investment it's also about fixing things on the ground and uh, i think people will invest if they know that property rights are secure and uh, that um, you know there is the opportunity there because people are looking to grow everyone is looking to grow Stephen, two years ago you launched the initiative where business started getting involved with government trying to uh, put its shoulder behind the wheel how's it been going in the past year has is there still the enthusiasm that the that existed before so, so uh, there were a number of different initiatives. One was rating, so let's forget about that because we did get rating downgrades, and that was impossible for you to defend um, because of you know where we got to on the 30th of March, uh, um, 2017. Um, but um, the one that I'm involved in um, is the uh, Youth Employment Service. So we got our government gazette. It took a bit of time to get it through, um, sorted out around about. Um, October last year um, we obviously now have to get all the corporates on side, we've got quite a lot of, on side so far um, and uh, it's, it's, it's you know, the infrastructure's there and now we're out there marketing and trying to bring, pull them along so that they uh, um, get the youth jobs going and we've seen some great stories with these youth jobs, so you know, because I'm chairman, Investec didn't wait, it did its 1200 jobs, uh, we had you know 200 at Artisan School, 160 at a Tell School, about 400 in a place called the Good Work Foundation, which is in um, in um, near near the Game Reserve in um, Pumalanga and uh, Olimpopo. I can't remember exactly exactly where it is. And you, you you see the enthusiasm of these youngsters who are well, some of them reasonably well educated, others not. They but have attitude and apt. Uh, have a good aptitude, um, you know, wanting to learn and the ideas that are coming out of them, how they're going to take this year of learning and then go and do their own thing and create their own job. So, so this, it's like getting the, you know, Jim Collins's flywheel turning. It's stuck, but once it starts moving, it starts picking up its own momentum. So I'm, I'm reasonably optimistic that um, that and the fund, which was raised um, about a year ago, will be reasonably successful. Has it lived up to your expectations? Well, I, I think, you know, things take longer than you think. Initially, uh, Colin, Colin Coleman and I, we both co-conveners, thought, hey, just take from A and give to B. Uh, what we realized, you take from a, uh, you find an individual who needs a job and place in the corporate. There are no jobs in corporates. So you have to create jobs. So that's part of what we're doing is creating these new types of jobs. That's why, you know, we decided to send kids to hotel school and then they come out, they get uh Part of the, the scheme is they get internships at um, uh, some of the hotel groups and post that the guy's now either a chef or something like that and he can go and do his own thing. We got an example of a guy who was a, he went to hotel school, he became a chef, he started making little cupcakes at, at night and then his business got so big that he started his own business and employed 12 people from his family. You know, that's the kind of thing that you do when you get the flywheel turning. So I'm optimistic that with that kind of focus, with all the other initiatives that are taking place, we can make a, a big difference. 
It's an interesting point about the flywheel because here in Davos is a company called Liquid Chefs. I don't know if you know them. Yeah. Adam Adam Solomon, he came here Sorry, 11... Sorry? Liquid Chefs, they started in SA. This year they are doing uh, 42 events here. They've got 85 people that they brought in. It's a South African can-do attitude. Why, you think, can't, can't that be repeated? Uh, yeah, look, I think we just need to give people hope. And people need to be shown the way to be entrepreneurs. Not everyone grows up in an environment. I was listening the other day that only in 30-something percent of households have a father. So we've got a history that we need to deal with. And that, uh, you know, this guy you're talking about, he probably grew up in an entrepreneurial family. They probably spoke every night about business, uh, which is not what all South Africans have the benefit of. So he knows, and he'll be global, and he'll think globally, and he'll go out there and say, where can I make a living, what can I do, and land up at Davos. I mean, it's an amazing story, and there are multiple stories of that from South African entrepreneurs, but not everyone has had that history and that benefit, and that's what we have to address. Stephen, you employ a lot of South Africans outside of the country. You just said earlier that there's a huge skills gap, 800,000 people. How do, you, how do you pull those South Africans back home? Uh, some want to come back. If they have open opportunity, they come back. Some, you know, most South Africans who leave love the country and want to see the country grow and develop. Very few of them that I know don't like the country. And uh, if, there's, if there's opportunity for them, a lot of them will come back because it's actually quite tough living away from your core. You know, it's not your, it's, you're not at home. No, there's no doubt about that. But they have moved away for opportunity to begin with. Sure. There is a skills gap. Are these people, would the advice be come home, start a new business, become an entrepreneur? Is that the way? Or Because from what you said earlier about corporates, if they're not hiring, where would these highly skilled people actually be employed? There are skills gaps. So there are, you know, you're short of teachers, you're short of electrical engineers, you're short of IT specialists, you're short of all sorts of people. We just don't have them in South Africa to fill all the jobs. So there are those types of jobs. And those kind of people we need in our country. Now, are they also expats South Africans? I, I doubt it. I think there are some. But I think we're going to need a lot more than expats South Africans, actually, to fill these skills gaps. So, so... What the issue up to now is that people couldn't get visas. If you a company, a foreign company, you want to put roots in South Africa and leave it, use South Africa as your platform for the African continent, uh, and you want to send your own people to run the business, you know, Home Affairs would have said no. Hopefully that start, side of life will open up because then we've lost the whole bet. People go somewhere else. They go to Kenya, they go to Mauritius, some even talk about Rwanda, and some go to Dubai. So we mustn't lose out on that. Stephen, I'd like you just to close off with to put on your investor's hat now. And if you look at South Africa Inc. or South Africa as an investment opportunity, is it a turnaround situation that is in the very early stages, or has it still got uh, quite a long way to go before it can hit an upturn? Yeah, look, I, I, I do think it's the former. I think you're in a turnaround. Uh, you know, it does take time to build momentum, but uh, once the men- momentum, you know, as I say, once the flywheel gets going, it gets its own momentum. And, uh, you know, just if you look at our stock market over the last three or four years, it hasn't performed well at all, which is what has happened to a lot of emerging market uh, in the indices. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be a very good time for people to invest. But, yeah, 
People will still want to see what happens in the election. They want to see what's happening with land reform. We've heard what the president said in the manifesto. It's not going to be land grabs. If they can manage that properly and people can know that they invest there, they've got security of property, I think we're in for a good run. Um, and uh, But clearly, we, you know, the hurdle is how strong is the president's mandate in the election. And, um, uh, you know, taking it from there, um, we can really get going. You've mentioned Jim Collins and the flywheel and the book is good to great. Just tell us a bit about how that thing works. No, I'm just saying that, you know, it, he uses the concept of a flywheel. It's a big wheel that gets stuck and it's very hard to move. But once you start getting it moving, it starts building its own momentum. It's the same as an economy gets stuck. Once you unblock the blockages and you start getting... You know, the positive type of attitude, you start getting um, the entrepreneurs saying, I'm prepared to take bets, I'm prepared to have a go. Um, And you have an enabling government that supports that kind of activity. Then it gets, starts to move. And as I gave you the example of the guy who made the little cupcakes at night, he was able to employ 12 people. He's probably employing 30 people now. Those are the kind of things that get an economy moving. And where is the flywheel right now? It's, it's, uh, it's like we're trying to move it. It's not moving yet. So it's still stuck. It's m- like edging, but we need a few things to happen. But it's, 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 we're getting it to just sort of like shift, but not, it hasn't done a circle. So a lot of effort has been uh, put the, the, the shoulder behind the wheel. What's going to make it turn? What's going to make that? As I said, we need a decent outcome in the election. Uh, I think that uh, there are lots of things that are happening between government and business and labor. We need to be a proper partnership. It's not about one or the other. Uh, and we need to put our country first and try and get this economy really moving. We need to get all that stuff. You know, our history, we're seeing lots of stuff fall out from all these, uh, the Zonda Commission, uh, this thing on the PRC, there's that other one on, uh, I think there are three things running at the moment. Um, and, uh, you know, that obviously will, we, we, we just need all the stuff dealt with so that we can really move forward as a society. Davos 2019. This coverage of the Global Conversation on Change is brought to you by BrightRock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes.